Go ahead and open your Bibles now to Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to be reading verses 20 through 27. uh, Proverbs 4, 20 through 27. And this is the word of the triune God. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and are healing to their flesh. So keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. And put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. And do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. This is God's word. Fathers, we open up this passage. Lord, we freely admit that, God, we are sinners. God, we have turned against you in thought, in deed, even this week. And so, Father, we ask that you would forgive us. And Lord, we pray that you would use your word to reveal our sin. But we, Lord, we also ask that you would use your word to build us up and encourage us so that we not, do not become overwhelmed. And so, Lord, we ask that you would be instructing us through this passage. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So before I moved down here, um, I worked at a company uh, that sold uh, nuts and bolts, and, and it was kind of a, it was a hardware store company. It was called Champion Bolt and Supply. And uh, while I was there, I just happened to work uh, in the warehouse initially, and there was a lot of young adult men who worked in that warehouse, a lot of young guys. Um, and uh, Younger than me. Um, and so a lot of younger guys. Um, and... So as I was working there, I began discipling several of them. Um, A lot of them went to the same young adult group, and I was a a preacher uh, slash leader at this young adult group. And so um, I began discipling them. And I remember having a conversation with one of them. His name's Morgan. And uh, Morgan and I, we had just finished having uh, having dinner, and uh, we were leaving my house up in in Marysville. And uh, as I was walking out the door, I, I locked the door, and he, he asked me, he's like, why are you locking the door if your wife is home? He just thought that was weird that I was, that I was locking the door. And I looked at him and I said, you got to protect what is precious to you. You know, speaking of my wife, right? And so I always do that. Anytime I leave the house, even if I go just to take the dog out to go to the restroom at night, I lock the door behind me because there's a lot of weirdos out there in the world. Even like when I go to the store and if like Evie's asleep in the car and Lindsay wants to stay in the car, you know, with her, I lock the door behind me. Why? Because I'm protecting that which is valuable, protecting that which is precious to me. And similarly, in this section here, Solomon is giving some instruction to his son and he's telling him to protect something that is valuable. He's telling him to protect something that is 
precious. And it is so vital that this thing be protected because this thing directs the course of his son's life. And the thing that needs to be guarded, the thing that needs to be protected that is mentioned in this passage is the heart. Solomon in this passage gives a strong uh, warning, a strong encouragement, a strong exhortation to his son to keep or to guard his heart with vigilance, with alertness. And the reason that the heart needs to be guarded is because if you catch in verse 23 there, it says, for from it flow the springs of life. In other words, the actions that are external, the things that you say, the things that you think about, even the things that you do, the choices that you make, these are all rooted in the heart. So the condition of your heart is revealed in the things that you say, the things that you do, and the things that you think. And so Solomon knows this because God has given him wisdom. And so he's encouraging his son. He says, protect your heart. Do not allow your heart to be polluted by outside influences. Someone commenting on this passage, he says that the instruction of Solomon here uh, that we talk about in verse 20, um, he says this, he says, these words, in other words, this instruction is intended to shape you outwardly and inwardly. It's, it's intended to shape how you relate to the world and what you value within yourself. In other words, the instruction of Solomon to his son, should shape the heart of his son, should, should, direct, the, should direct his heart, um, teach him what to desire, teach him what to think, teach him uh, what to choose. And so for us, for our main theme, what we are uh, talking about from this passage and what I want you guys to take away is this, is that if you want to be walking in wisdom, then you must be guarding your heart. If you want to be walking in wisdom, then you must be guarding your heart. Now, you might be saying, maybe you, you might be saying to yourself, I don't think I even think about wisdom very often, right? Why do, why do I need wisdom? Well, if we remind ourselves at the very beginning of this series that was couple months ago now, um, if we, we remind ourselves what we said, as we said this, is that the reason that you need wisdom is because life is filled with choice after choice after choice after choice. And every choice you make, there's only two outcomes. One, you make a choice that pleases God and brings glory to him. Or two, you make a choice that is disobedient to God and does not bring glory to him. Those are the two options. This is, and this is what Proverbs uh, puts before us as, as readers of this, this book. There's the way of wisdom and the way of foolishness. There's no middle ground. There's no neutrality. This is because all of life is lived, as uh, the old Latin phrase goes, coram deo. In other words, all of life is lived before the face of God, under the watchful eyes of God. So everything that you think, say, and do, God sees it, knows it, 
And either you are honoring him and pleasing him, or you are not. And there's no in-between. And that goes for every single detail of our lives, which we don't think about our lives in that way. A lot of times we think of our lives in these big, big moments where we're like, when I'm tempted to, um, you know, go to a party and, and drink, and, and I say, no, I'm not going to do that. We think that, that, you know, those are the moments that, that matter, and they do matter, right? But what this, this passage tells us and what God's word tells us is that your life isn't only shaped by these, uh, you know, by these big moments, but rather your life is lived in the everyday mundane choices, your life is directed even by just the thoughts that you allow yourself to entertain. Your heart is being shaped by the thoughts that you allow yourself to think. And so we need to be wise and discerning, and we need to be guarding our hearts if we want to be walking in wisdom and so we are going to ask the question from this passage, what does it mean or how, do, how can we guard our hearts? What does it mean to guard our hearts and, and, and how can we do that? And this passage, it gives us two answers at least to this question. Uh, the first is this, is that you can guard your heart by being careful about what you let in and by being careful about what you live out. You can guard your heart by being careful about what you let in and careful about what you live out, okay? Let's talk about that first one for a minute here. Be careful what you let in. Look at verse 20. He says, my son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Verse 21, let them not escape from your sight, but keep them. That word keep is important. Keep them within your heart. Interesting. Okay. So the first thing that we see here is that Solomon is encouraging his son uh, to pay close attention to his commandments. Okay. Pay close attention to his teaching. Now, we have to think contextually here. What is... Um, what would these commandments have been? What would Solomon have been trying to uh, teach his son? Well, we know from books like Deuteronomy and other passages like that, that one of the main things that the father was responsible for teaching his children was the Ten Commandments, was the law of God. And so what Solomon would have been doing as a wise and competent father who desires to glorify the Lord and to instruct his children in the way that they should go is he would have been teaching them the commandments of God, the things that God expects for his children, the things that God expects of those that are part of the family, that bear the family name, right? You've all had... Uh, conversations with parents when you uh, want to uh, do something else and they want you to do a chore and mom or dad will say something along the lines of, we are a family and we help out, right? You're part of this family. You, ha you bear some responsibility. And in the same way, what Solomon would have been doing is he would have been sharing the wise instructions of God with his 
children, saying, pay attention to these things and allow these things to shape your heart. Now, what's interesting is if you look at verse 21, it says, keep them within your heart. And then if you drop down to 23, it says, keep your heart with all vigilance. Now, the word keep there, it doesn't just imply possession, okay? It's also a, uh, it's also a term that is, implies protection, right? So if you were a guard on a wall, you know, you, you keep the wall, right? You, if you um, were uh, a, uh, you know, a, a, let's say an innkeeper, right? Not only do you uh, take care of the place, but if someone comes in and tries to, you know, raid the cash register or whatever, you would stop them, right? You keep the inn. You take care of this uh, place. And in a similar way, what Solomon is saying to his son is he says that you need to not only uh, take care of your heart, but you need to guard it. You need to protect your heart. And one of the ways that Solomon tells his son that he can protect his heart is by letting the right things in and keeping the right things out. Letting the right things in, keeping the wrong things out. I think I said that backwards. Right things in, wrong things out, okay? Um, in the, uh, you know, older, older theologians, they'll talk about ear gates and they'll talk about eye gates, Okay, Now, you may think of your eyes and your ears as gates. And beyond the gates is a pathway that leads to the heart. Okay, So what you take in with your eyes goes in through the eyes and, and into the heart and shapes your heart. So obviously I'm speaking metaphorically. Um, but what you take in with your eyes goes in to you and it shapes your thoughts. It shapes what you desire. Take, for example, the movie Moana. In the movie Moana, the, the main premise of it is, I don't care what mom and dad say, I'm going to go and sail the seas, right? Uh, but what, and you take that in, and then your heart says, I don't care what mom and dad says, I'm going to sail the seas, or whatever it is, right? And through your eye gates comes this rebellious, anti-authoritarian, anti-God message that goes through, and if you allow it to go through the gates, it does, in some sense, get into the heart. And then at that point, it takes up residence there. And so at that point, it can create desires that are not God-honoring, that God does not want for us to have. So it is, it is imperative that we be careful about what we allow to come through the eye gates. But it is not only imperative that we uh, guard the gates of our eyes, but it is also imperative that we guard the gates of our ears. Because what goes through the ears also goes into the heart and can create desires, Maybe even put ideas in your head that you hadn't even thought about. And so we, as Christians, as people who are followers of Jesus, we need to be guarding the gates. We need to be guarding the gates of our eyes and our ears, the things that we take in. There's a famous story um, 
of the, uh, the Trojan horse. And uh, the story, I won't bore you with all the details, but um, basically there was a situation where the Greeks had been trying to take the city of Troy for 10 years. For 10 years, and they couldn't take it. And then while, you know, throughout this process, they kind of had a spy inside, and, and the, the spy kind of did some spy things and convinced the people to bring this, this giant wooden horse that was left outside their gates, convinced the people to bring it in. They, he had convinced them that it was a, a gift to some, you know, deity or whatever. And uh, so he convinced the people, go ahead, you know, go ahead and bring it in. And so the people, uh, you know, there was a couple people in the city of Troy that were like, I don't know. This giant wooden horse kind of looks suspicious. I don't think we should let it in. But everybody else is like, nah, let, let's do it. Let's do it. And so they bring the wooden horse in and they put it in the center of the city. Okay. And night falls. And when night falls, tons of Greek soldiers pour out of this wooden horse and they open the city gates and the Greek army is allowed to come in. Okay, that's an illustration of exactly what happens when we allow things to pass in front of our eyes or to, or to go into our ears that are not helpful, that are not God-honoring, that are not glorifying. Those things can pass through the gates and attack from within. If you think about, uh, even, you know, you think about the movies that you watch or even you think about the, the music that you listen to, I mean, all you have to do is listen to like any rap song out there right now and they're like, what? they talk about money, they talk about sex, they talk about all these different things and what happens as you listen to that is you begin to think, oh, maybe having a lot of money really is the meaning of life. Maybe, you know, having all of these, uh, you know, non-committed, non-married sexual encounters, maybe that is the key to happiness in life. And so as you listen to this type of entertainment, this type of, of music, it can begin to allow ideas into your heart that are not God-glorifying, that God never intended for you to think about or for you to have in your heart. And so we have to be very, very careful about the things that we let into our gates. And there's always a balance here because I grew up in a really small, hyper-conservative homeschool community, and they were like, if you listen to secular music, you're going to hell. (laughs) And uh, I'm not saying that. And I'm not saying if you watch Disney, you're going to go to hell. But I am saying this. I am saying this. Be discerning about the things that you allow to pass in front of your eyes and the things that you listen to. I know for me, I love heavy metal music, right? It's like, oh, yeah, this is so great. But then after a while, you, I look at the condition of my heart and I'm like angry and grumpy, right? Because it's, it's not the kind of music that is generally gonna you know, draw you up into the worship of God and, and focusing on him, but instead it just makes you wanna hit someone in the face. You're just like, oh, this is good, right? Um, but all of, the, all of that to say, I'm not saying it's a hard and fast rule that if you listen to secular music, you know, you're gonna go to hell. I'm not, or if you watch movies that are not Christian movies, that, that it's going to you know, derail your life. But what I am saying 
is be critical, be wise and discerning about the things that you put in front of your eyes and the things that you listen to. And this can also extend even to conversations that you have at school because you all have friends who talk about things that you know do not honor the Lord that are not pleasing to him. And some of you participate in those conversations. Some of you participate in those conversations. You allow those thoughts to be entertained. And what happens is as you have those conversations, your heart is being shaped. Your heart is being molded into an image that is not the image of Christ. Okay? You have to be very careful with your heart. You need to protect your heart because the condition of the heart leads to thoughts, choices, and actions. Okay? And so Solomon, he's counseling his son. He says, take in the commandments, take in my instruction, take in the word of God and reject the things that are evil. Reject the things that are anti-God, that go against God's will for your life. And so to guard your heart, we see in verse 21, he says, keep them, referring to his words and his sayings, keep them within your heart. In other words, what you should be regularly ruminating on, what you should be regularly thinking about in your everyday life is the word of God, is what the Lord has to say because his word is truth and his word is the words of eternal life. One commentator on this this passage, he said this, he says that above all, the heart must be guarded by sound doctrine. Above all, the heart must be guarded by sound doctrine, by right teaching, by the word of God. And the truth is, is that many of us are unwise about what we let into our lives and what we let into our hearts. I've already given you some examples of that. And so what I want you to ask yourself this week and even right now as you're sitting here listening to me, uh, talking to you about you know, being careful about what you let in Ask yourself this question. What are you letting into your heart that isn't helping your relationship with Jesus? Think about your life, what you do throughout the week, the things that you watch on YouTube, the things that you uh, you discuss with your friends at school. What are you letting into your life? What are you letting into your heart that is not helping your relationship with Jesus but is actually hindering it? And as you ponder that question, identify those things and do what the author of Hebrews tells you to do. Lay aside every weight and hindrance that will prevent you from running the race that God has set before you. Lay aside those things and run the race that God has set before you. Replace those outside voices with the voice of God in his word. So be careful about what you let in. And secondly, be careful about what you live out. Look at verse 24. He says, put away crooked speech and put away devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Think about or ponder the path of your feet. In other words, think, do exactly what I just told you to do. 
Think about the direction of your life. Think about what you're doing on a daily basis and what you're allowing into your life. Ponder the path of your feet and then all your ways will be sure. And you do not swerve to the right or to the left. And so Solomon tells his son that he needs to be wise not only about what he lets in, but also about how he lives. And there's some really specific examples that he gives here. He says, be wise uh, in the things that you say. Be wise in the things that you look at and be wise in the places that you go, the feet, the path, right? So the mouth, the eyes, and the feet. It says, be wise in how you utilize these things. Look at what you're looking at. Take a, think about it. Uh, take stock of the things that you put in front of your eyes. Think about uh, the places that you go. Maybe there are friends that you spend time with that you know are influencing you to do things that are disobedient to Jesus. Maybe it's time to reevaluate whether or not you should be spending time with those friends. And here's the reality, is that the things that come out of your mouth the things that you put in front of your eyes and the places that you choose to go and the company that you choose to keep, these are all indicators of the condition of your heart. And so you need to be asking yourself, what is revealed by these actions? Am I, is, is what is being revealed that my heart is more influenced by sin, Satan, and the world? than it is by Jesus? Is that true of you? Ralph Waldo Emerson was a philosopher and a writer, um, and he was a public speaker. He's also kind of an idiot in some ways. Um, he really had some, some very weird views about God. Um, but he did get one thing right. He said this. He said that if you sow a thought you will reap an action. Listen to this. Pay attention to these words. If you sow a thought, you reap an action. Sow an act, and you will reap a habit. Sow a habit, and you will reap a character. And sow a character, and you will reap a destiny. Do you see the progression there? Goes from thoughts to actions, actions to habit, habit to character, character to destiny, okay? Where does all of that start? Starts in the heart, right? Sow a thought, you reap an action. Biblically speaking, where the the seat of our thoughts, where our thoughts reside is in the heart. And so what thoughts you allow yourself to entertain will lead to actions and those actions as you repeat them, will become habits. And those habits will forge a character in your life. And that character will be who you ultimately are and will guide you along the path to your ultimate destiny, whether that is eternity in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ or eternity in hell with Satan and his demons in everlasting suffering. So be careful about what you live out, the way that you live. Be wise about these things. 
And so Solomon here, what he's doing is he is, he's wanting his son to see the importance of guarding his heart and the importance of refraining from saying things, looking at things, and going places that he knows are dishonoring to God. And so for us, as we're thinking about this, I just want to ask the question, if character reveals our destiny, what sort of character do you see in your life right now? Do you see the kind of character that Jesus has? Or let me ask you this. God says that we will reap what we sow, okay? What are you planting in your life? Are you planting seeds of envy? Looking at other people and and coveting what they have? Are you sowing seeds of lust? Desiring things, maybe even sexual experiences that God says you should not have? Are you planting seeds of self-reliance? living your life functionally as though God doesn't really exist, though you may intellectually agree with his existence, but you live your everyday life like he doesn't really matter and like he shouldn't be involved in all of your choices and in all the circumstances of your life? Is that the seeds that you're planting? Self-reliance? Are you planting seeds of doubt? You hear maybe a still small voice in your heart say, God doesn't exist. Do you give in to that? Do you allow yourself to think about that? Or do you choose to plant seeds of grace? Do you choose to plant seeds of forgiveness, of patience, seeds of sacrifice, seeds of self-control, seeds of love? Are these the things that you're planting in your life? Or are you planting the other kind of seeds? There's a um, Switchfoot song. I've been listening to them at youth group a little bit. But there's a song. It's called This Is Your Life. And I don't necessarily agree with that title because if you're a Christian, your life is Jesus' life. But for the sake of, for the, sake of the illustration, the, the song is called This Is Your Life. And in the, in the song, he says, this is your life. Are you who you want to be? This is your life. Are you who you want to be? My question for you, as you look at the choices that you've been making, the things you've been thinking about, watching, listening to, conversations you're having with your friends, are you who you really want to be? Are you living the way that Jesus wants you to live? Because now is the time to make the right choices. This is why the Holy Spirit says in the book of Hebrews, he says, today is called the day of salvation. And as you hear these words, do not harden your hearts as the Israelites did in the wilderness and died. But instead, repent, listen to the words of God and direct your steps in accordance with his commands, in accordance with his words. You see, you guys are at such a, a crucial time in life because there are habits that are being formed in your life 
that are going to affect you for the rest of your life. You are making choices now that will have lasting impacts on your lives. You need to be wise. And so, just as I like to lock my house to keep the weirdos out and to protect my wife, so you should lock your house. You should lock the doors, the gates of your heart to keep out the things that are God-dishonoring, that will tempt you to live in a way that is contrary to what God has called you to. And ultimately, this is something that you will only want to do if you have a relationship with Jesus. This is ultimately something you will only want to do if you love Jesus. And you really will only understand the love of Jesus, and you really will only love Jesus if you understand the gospel. Paul, the apostle, in the letter to the Galatians, he said this, he said, uh, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so Paul was radically changed by the truth that Jesus died for him. And because of that, it changed his heart and it changed the choices that he made. You need to think deeply about the love of Jesus, about the fact that Jesus died for you. I'm talking to you. You need to think about that because as you think about that, as you let it melt your heart, and shape your heart, it will move you to make wise choices. It will move you to be wise about what you let in and what you live out. There's a song by a guy named Chris Renzima, and I'll close with this. Um, one of my favorite songs, it's called Springtime. And in the song, he's, he, it's at the bridge. He, he, it's, a, it's a prayer to Jesus, and he says, Come and tend the soil, tend the soil of my soul, and like a garden, like a garden, I will grow. I hope that that's your prayer. I hope that's all of our prayer, is that we would ask Jesus to come and to keep and to care for our hearts, to protect us through faith in the gospel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to... Um, study this passage. Lord, we pray as we go into our groups for a brief time. Um, Lord, I pray that you would make them fruitful. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.